1: This is the Cork Today replay on C103.
2: As we welcome you along to the programme, John Paul takes your calls at 1850 You can text your WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And actually just looking at the text and the WhatsApps, I can already see some questions coming in for Peter Dowdle, our resident gardener. Unfortunately, Peter is not available to join us today and he won't be with us next week either. So it'll be two weeks time before Peter is back answering all of your gardening questions. Instead, in the final hour of the programme, we are going to take a look at the weather because the weather very much much affects the gardeners who contact Peter uh, every week. Uh, so we're trying to find out the we w- w- gorgeous weather last week. Everybody was enjoying it. Some people were even saying it was too hot and we were having none of it. We were saying, no, we're going to enjoy this uh, sunshine. And then the rain has arrived and people We're just trying to find out when is the rain going to uh, leave us. And I mentioned when I was teeing up the programme uh, with Mark before, uh, Tem, uh, I mentioned that I had been watching a programme on Amazon Prime. I watched it last week again kind of did a bit of binge watching on it and it's a program um, from Jeremy Clarkson you know the guy who's famous for his for driving cars any kind of cars top gear and all of that and he has bought a farm well he actually purchased the farm many years ago he purchased it in 2008 it's a farm in the Cotswolds in the on an estate in Oxfordshire what he did was he bought a farm but then he leased it to a local farmer the local farmer was working away but then in 2019 the local farmer decided want to retire? Do not want to do this anymore? So then Jeremy Clarkson was left with this 1,000 acre farm. What did he decide to do? He decided to farm it himself, even though he knows absolutely nothing about farming. Hence the reason he called the farm Tiddly Squat Farm, because he knows absolutely nothing. And then, I don't know how Amazon got involved, but they got wind of it and said, well, fill me in, we'll see how you get on. So just sort of what... Covers the first year of Jeremy Clarkson farming his land and really showing that this man knows nothing. I think it's done wonders, personally speaking, for the farming community because by God, does this programme show how tough farming life is? But more than anything, it shows, there's eight programmes in it in total, it shows how dependent farmers are on weather. Everything from he went through it bucketing down with rain in the early part of the season for him, sort of the back end of 2019 when he should have been getting the land ready and uh, it was just raining, it didn't stop raining Uh, and then he got a period of time where the weather was okay and he was able to do some work and then of course the drought came and he couldn't do any work again and then the rains came again and it was just I mean literally it shows how Weather dependent farmers are. And I know there's farmers listening to me this morning saying, Did you not know we were weather dependent? I did, but I think it really put into focus just how important while the rest of us can moan and groan, oh, it's raining too much, or oh, it's too hot. Our livelihoods don't uh, depend on it, and so and it. Uh, that's the one thing this program does, and it also shows how hard farmers work, and the hours that they work, the late hours that they work for very little payment at the end of it. And somebody was saying, "What was what's the name of the program?" It's called Clarkson's Farm, and it's still available. But you have to have Amazon Prime in order to download it but it is well well worth uh, watching. So I had mentioned that when I was speaking with Mark earlier on and somebody then uh, says you're talking about the weather and how it affects farming Patricia well I was walking in the rain on Sunday last the 4th of July. Uh, No wind but there was torrential showers I came across this field devastating and the listener sent on a photograph of the field now this is where I'm not a farmer but it's a field of some kind of a crop and the rain has just flattened and you can see where the torrential rain was it's absolutely flattened the crop. So I'm assuming when that happens that crop is absolutely ruined after a year of work having gone in to get the field ready you know, and so getting the land, the, the soil ready to sow the, the seed and then sowing it and fertilising it and spraying it and anything else that needed to be, to be done. And when it's just ready to be harvested torrential showers come and the field is destroyed. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing... I I think that this programme is, it's a, a field of wheat or barley. Thank you listeners <laughs> listening to me. It's back in straight again. Yeah, and I, I don't know my wheat for my barley either, but it's, it's flattened. So I'm assuming that's the field uh, gone. Yeah, absolutely devastating for the farmer and the amount of work that that farmer uh, put in. Hi Patricia, I also watched all of that Jeremy Clarkson programme on farming. It was so good and it has really made Caleb, the young lad uh, helping him, it's made him a star. Now anyone who has watched Clarkson's farm will know who we're talking about when we mention Caleb. Caleb Cooper is a young farm worker. He was only 21 and he... Jeremy Clarkson quickly realises he needs some help on the farm so he enlists this young lad, Caleb Cooper, who has only once left Chipping North to go to London and he went to London as part of a school trip. It was an art trip and he was so scared of the vast crowds that were in London that he stayed on the school coach until it was time to come home. He just broke my heart when he, when he said that. So, he's a farmer, born and bred through and through. And listen, he's a great little entrepreneur. He's got his own business going, he's got his own little patch of uh, farming, and he also does contract work as well. He made the programme, I have to say, and he was a mine of information. And without him, Jeremy Clarkson would have fallen flat on his face. So, yes, I, I absolutely fell in love with young Caleb Cooper, who became the star of that programme. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Well worth watching. Jeremy Clarkson's programme on the farm. Looking for your thoughts on car insurance this morning, please. And we are particularly putting a call out to anyone whose car insurance, business insurance, you've got a premium across June and into July. I give them the last two months. The reason I'm asking is that award levels in personal insurance cases has fallen by 50% in the past couple of months. Changes came in in April. This is all to do with the reform of insurance in this country. So I'm trying to find out, have any of our listeners, when your premium arrived had, was your premium reduced over what you paid last year? Because we're going to be discussing it in a couple of minutes on the programme. Now I did see Michael Kilcoin of the Consumer Association They've, they're kind of trying to find out from their members and they're getting reports in from their members saying that they've seen no change in premium prices in the last uh, couple of months. And what consumer associations are saying is that that really is unreasonable because insurers, they calculate the likely costs A year in advance. So if the insurers know and think the claims are going to come down by around 50%, then that should translate into premium cuts. Now, I don't think realistically anybody is saying that our premiums are going to come down by 50%. I think the more realistic one is that it should come down between 20% and 30% because insurance premiums are based on future risk and you pay your insurance to the insurance company for the year ahead based on what the risk is going to be for the next year. And they know now because of this reform of insurance and reform of personal injuries claim, they know that what they're paying out is likely to be down by 50% and in some cases it's down uh, even more. So that means that every accident that has happened since the 24th of April when the new guidelines came into play should cost and you imagine, will be costing less for the insurers. But we now have yet to see this being translated into lower uh, premiums. So, you know, there's been so much talk about cutting payouts and, you know, it's, it's happening, it's working, pie up are doing their job. But is all of that useless if, you know, tougher action isn't taken to ensure that the insurer savings are passed on and you know so far it doesn't look like anybody's uh, seeing the savings been passed on so we're looking to see premiums have your premiums gone down and we've, we've discussed car insurance before in the programme and we've discussed telling people to shop around And by shopping around people are getting lower premiums but I'm interested just to see on the premium that, ar- that arrived in your door how much lower was it over what you paid last year so if you have a story to tell us on that uh, give us a call please 1850 333 103 text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And then we took a call yesterday afternoon from a gentleman who doesn't, um, doesn't want to us to call out his name on air and, and that's fine. But he's looking to see, is this unusual? art. Does it, can anybody throw light on this? He received a phone call. Now, he says it's about three weeks ago, but he's been suspicious about it and it's been kind of on his mind and he kind of said, I'll ring the radio station and just to see if anybody else had a call like this. Has anybody received a similar call? The nature of the call was it was a woman when he picked up the, the phone and she said she was calling. Now, he can't remember the name of the organisation, but he said it was some organisation involved with the visually impaired and she was selling tickets and the price of the tickets were were 100 euros so they weren't cheap tickets but it was some kind of a fundraiser and i imagine if the tickets was 100 euros they're giving away big prizes maybe they're giving away a house there's a number of organizations and charities and fundraisers where they're doing that there and people are thinking oh if i go win a house I'll, I'll take the chance of buying a ticket for 100 euros and you know that a good cause is benefiting at the same time so i imagine it's something like that it was what this woman was talking about and then obviously when this gentleman said oh god no i wouldn't have 100 euros to to, to give to a raffle ticket she then went on to say oh you can make any kind of a donation at all if you can't afford 100 euro for the raffle ticket would you like to make uh, a donation and, and th- so the gentleman has contacted us to say does that ring a bell with anybody else did anybody else get a phone call from some organisation involved with the visually impaired selling raffle tickets for 100 euro or taking any kind of uh, a donation and he's also wondering are genuine organisations are they doing cold calling or could this be a scam? Now, there was a time when a lot of charities were doing cold calling and I remember we had to get on to a number of charities to check to see because people now are so suspicious when you pick up the phone. If it's somebody at the other end of the line that you don't know, alarm bells start, and I think rightly, start to ring for all of us because we've heard so much about scam phone calls, scam emails, scam text messages, and it's our hard-earned cash and we don't want to be parting with it through a scam. So people get suspicious straight away. So I don't know if many charities are cold calling and I imagine if they're not, they've stopped doing it because of that kind of an attitude that as soon as they ring someone someone's going to get suspicious and say oh that sounds like a scam and we'll hang up uh, immediately so we're trying to do our own little research trying to find out from any uh, charities that we know of that work with the visually impaired to see are they doing it as I say it could be very legit it could be completely above board but we just said we'd call it out to see did anybody else as this gentleman said it's about three weeks ago but it's been playing on his mind so when he got around to calling us this week anybody else received a call from somebody selling raffle tickets uh, for €100. Euro. Adrian in Skibbereen has been on. He had a bit of a fall yesterday. Sorry to hear that, uh, Adrian. He was in Skibbereen Town but he contacted us this morning because he said would you ever say a big thank you to all of the wonderful people that helped me. It shows humanity is still as strong as ever thanks to the ambulance men who took great care of me and were so nice and particular thanks to Annie Toomey a man called Sean and the Skibbereen Geriatric Society. So well done to everybody who helped out, Adrian. And hopefully, Adrian, you're fine today and making a full recovery after that fall yesterday. And then Sean in Carigalino, this one we will try to find out more about. Sean says he got a text yesterday afternoon at three o'clock with an appointment for his second jab. Great news, uh, Sean. But then he said about an hour later, he got another text asking him to answer questions and a web link. And a web link. Um, a few people told Sean that it was a scam, but is it okay? Need more details than that, Sean. Was the where did the text come from? Are you, are you saying that the text came from the same number as the HSC number that sent you out your appointment? Um, I'm unsure I'll get John Paul to check back in with you and try to get more information on that uh, and see if we can find out exactly what is uh, what is going on with that. And then we had a couple of calls in before we came on air this morning about a van or a car that was driving in the Donnerale area and some of our callers were a bit perturbed because they were saying this car was driving erratically. So we got on to the Gardaí who say that they attended the scene of a road traffic collision involving two cars in a van uh, which occurred in uh, Donnerale. Uh, yesterday evening at 10pm no injuries were reported. One male was arrested on suspicion of driving under the influence of alcohol and he was taken to Malaga, the station and uh, investigations are ongoing. Okay, just to let people uh, because they say we had a couple of calls in wondering what was going on there. And thank you to uh, people who have contacted us about renewing car insurance. Knowles says I got my renewal uh, for this month, 475 euro. Last year, I paid 390 euro. So it has gone up by nearly 100 euro. I went online, shopped around and I managed to get it for 340 euro with another insurance company. So Noel, by shopping around, got it 50 euro euro cheaper than what he paid for his premium last year and his existing company were looking for him to pay nearly €100. So go you, uh, Noel. Not everyone, though, was as uh, lucky because someone was on to say, Colette says, I got uh, my... Car insurance for €430 Euro last year. And of course, then they were giving out gift cards. Remember when they gave out the insurance companies issued gift cards? I got a gift card for €40 this skillet, but I misplaced mine and I still can't find it. My husband got one. We managed to use that one, but I still can't find my one. Anyway, premiums right €480. Uh, Euro. I was so annoyed as it has gone up from €430. Euro, I rang around, but it, it's the cheapest I could get. For the, even though that car is now a year older, it is so, so uh, annoying. Uh, Patricia says, Heidi, I think the insurance companies and the banks are like cartels. They seem to be a law unto themselves. We need competition in both of these for insurance and for banks. Well, we uh, we, we do have other insurance companies and we do have other banks, but people still seem to think we are paying too much. Unless we get that, they will dictate what they will or won't uh, do. It is simply not fair. Nobody wants to pay out more money, that is uh, for sure. And hi, uh, I um, insured my, the company I'm insured with my premium was 20 euro lower okay well it went down slightly this year I paid it but the lady when I went in to pay it the lady said that I should get when my renewal comes in last year ask for a discount and you do hear that from people that they ring their company and say I'll stay with you but give me a little bit of a discount and people do get a discount my insurance and my son's insurance have gone up I shopped around so somebody else and I managed to get it cheaper and thank you to a number of people are on explaining to us the gentleman who rang us to say he had um, where has it gone to say he got the call about the tickets for a hundred euro, and he said it was something to do with the visually impaired, and he wanted to know was it a scam. A number of callers have been onto us, and I can see some texts coming in as well to say the charity involved are fighting blindness, and they are a genuine charity and John Paul now is just checking with it to make sure that they are cold calling asking people for 100 euro because it does seem like a lot of uh, money so thank you uh, for people telling us about that 1850 333 John Paul taking your calls you can text your whatsapp 0862 103 103
1: Court today on C103 with John
0: Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie
2: as we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, early data from the new Personal Injuries Assessment Board show that since insurance reforms were enacted at the end of April, payouts for personal injury cases has fallen by 50%. Joining me to discuss this is Peter Boland of the Alliance for Insurance Reform. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Patricia. Now, firstly, this is very welcomed news uh, that payouts for personal injuries have, halved, isn't it? I mean, it's a good news story.
3: Well, Yes, conditionally. um, When we spoke about this back in March, um, this is the level of reduction that we forecast at the time, and uh, that has come to pass since the new guidelines were implemented on the 24th of April. But the real test is what happens next, because the reality is that early indications are that there's no downward pressure uh, on insurance premiums. And at the end of the day, regardless of what happens, it must get insurance premiums in this country down to affordable levels and keep them that way. So in areas where insurance is available right now, say for motorists, for example, the cost of your policy on renewal is supposed to be calculated on the forward risk. So anything that's happened in the past has already costed in. It's either built into your policy or it's built into everybody's policy. The cost of the policy that you uh, get renewed in July of this year is supposed to look forward at the risk, and the risk has dropped, particularly uh, on in the area of personal injury damages. Now, where we're looking at early indications of uh, damage has been done by fifty percent, as you've already said, that should be reflected in the premiums being paid. Uh, early response from our members and from everybody else. Is that it hasn't happened. And so this is where the spotlight turns on government. Uh, if insurers are not going to deliver up reductions as they should, as quickly as they should, uh, then the group best placed to influence them to get the finger out, if you use the expression, is uh, government. Uh, and we haven't seen that happen yet.
2: Yeah, because when I mentioned that you were joining us on the programme, I just I put a shout out to listeners who'd received their premiums you know, in the last month or so to let us know, had anybody seen a fall? The majority came back and said, if anything, their premiums had gone up in, in some cases by over €100 Euro over what they paid last year. I think the lowest we got in a reduction was one listener who said it was €20 Euro down from last year. But the majority are saying their premiums are actually higher than what yeah. they were this time la- last year. And that just, I mean, w- what is the point in cutting payouts? I mean, it's useless unless the insurers are passing on those savings.
3: That's precisely the point, Patricia. And it, then that situation is even worse than for um, sectors that just cannot get insurance at the moment. So we've identified about 35 sectors right across the board in healthcare leisure, adventure, childcare, and other child-related sectors uh, they literally cannot get cover at the moment or are down to one insurer. And in a situation where you're down to one insurer, you're very vulnerable, and there's no chance of you getting the benefits of all of these reforms. So there's a very specific ask from government on this one. Uh, They've set up an office called the Insurance Competition Office. The job of that office, as we understand it, is to go out into the markets globally and say to insurers that don't currently offer insurance here, listen, we understand that Ireland was a basket case for the last couple of decades when it came to insurance. We understand your reluctance to come into this market. But things are changing very rapidly. And it's not just in terms of damages, but things like uh, the Personal Injuries Assessment Board uh, is being uh, radically reformed this autumn. The whole area of duty of care is scheduled to be rebalanced. Um, there's a formal response to the whole issue of insurance fraud uh, due to be announced fairly soon. So everything is pointing in the right direction, but if we leave the market to sort itself out, we'll be waiting for years. And years is one thing uh, that these sectors don't have. Um, like One that's popped up over the last few days, for example, is, is thatched pubs. thatched pubs cannot get insurance. So they're caught between a rock and a hard place. There's all sorts of heritage restrictions on them. Uh, the state is forcing them to retain the pub as it stands and yet they cannot get insurance.
2: And they can't open unless they get insurance. Precisely. So
3: um, they're between a rock and a hard place and there are plenty of sectors like that. Rapidly coming down the line is the whole issue of community playgrounds. Uh, and community playgrounds not being able to get cover. So what did they do? Did they close it? Uh, do they fence it off and leave the kids looking inside uh, through the fence? <sighs> you know, this, this is... Uh, th- there are appalling consequences for society if we don't get this sorted quickly. So it's up to government uh, to get this fixed. And this is not an issue for next year. This is an issue for this year. And as, we, as we've said countless times before, Patricia, if we're going to recover from COVID-19... Uh, the expectation is that it will happen economically through SMEs. They need to get their insurance sorted. And if society is going to recover through volunteering community groups, they need to get their insurance sorted.
2: And the one I always find heartbreaking, uh, Peter, are the voluntary community groups. I mean, you touched on it there with the the playgrounds, but there's so many wonderful voluntary groups who, you know, might have a little bit of a, a community hall that can be the heart of a community. And to watch them struggle trying to raise the money for the cost of the annual insurance premiums. And in some cases, I mean, particularly during the pandemic, they haven't been able to even go out and do the fundraising. So a lot of those community centres, community groups, will just disappear. They won't be there.
3: That's that's my big fear. We, we, we had a very good example of that up in up the other end of the country in Dundalk there last week where the local community centre in Hagridstan had to uh, set up a GoFundMe page uh, to pay their €11,000 uh, premium. Um and what was we were very much in contact with them, and what was the most heartbreaking part of it was that uh, they had fundraising plans to do development work and set up a sensory room and facilities for um, for older members of the community, and that had to be put on hold while they raise money to pay their insurance. And you know well how difficult it is to go out and fundraise. Mm. It's a constant pressure for clubs uh, and organisations around the country. Um, So you can go out once, but you can't go to the well twice in a short period of time. And when you
2: think what that money, what that €11,000 could have been used for instead of paying it to something, and and the same bill will appear back in again to you next year, and there's nothing to show for it. That's it.
3: Unless there be any misunderstanding on this, this is unique. This doesn't happen in the rest of Europe. So in the rest of Europe, community organisations are out there fundraising to do the things that community organisations should do. And for them, insurance is just another utility bill like the gas or the electricity. Uh, it is unique in Ireland uh, that we have a situation where insurance existentially threatens the sectors of
2: society. Are you hearing a number of business, Peter, who simply won't open bec- and citing insurance costs?
3: Yes. Yeah. Um, and that won't become apparent uh, for some time yet. Um, and equally, what we're coming across, and it's it's almost scarier, is organisations that have opened without insurance. Oh. Um, and uh, that is a serious problem because at the end of the day, insurance is there to cover. Uh, people who have been injured due to the negligence of others. So, you know, there will be in due course uh, a situation where a genuine claim, uh, can't be recovered. Um, and, and that is, um, very worrying from our point of view as well. So it just really further emphasizes the urgency around this issue. Uh, we can't wait till next year. This needs to be sorted now.
2: OK, so PIAP, the Personal Injuries Assessment Board, they appear to be doing their job. Ball now is very much in the government's court to put pressure on the insurance companies.
3: Precisely, yeah. yeah. And, and, and they they, the insurers were very single-minded on this over the years. And I remember well the mantra from the representative party that claims drive costs. And claims have been sorted now, so costs need to come down.
2: Okay, all right. We'll keep a close eye on this. No doubt, we'll speak again, uh, Peter. In the meantime, thank you for that, and thanks thank for joining us. Pleasure. Good morning to you. That is uh, Peter Boland, who is the chair of the Alliance uh, for Insurance Reform. 1850333103. And to the gentleman who contacted us about getting a text message for his second AstraZeneca jab, and then almost uh, well, I'll almost meet you, but an hour later he got a second text message and I was a little bit confused because I didn't know had it come from the same number and it turned out it did and I wanted to ask him a few questions and he said he was afraid because of all of this talk of scams and that he'd spoken to other people and people were saying it's a scam, don't click on the link and all of that. We got a flurry of texts and calls in from people to say that isn't a scam, that is uh, genuine. Uh, Mary says, uh, Patricia, the, yes, after when you get your second, the date for your second text, you then get a second text asking you for information. I checked it out with the girl at the reception in Mallow and she said yes that's what they're doing. It's obviously it's something new because somebody else says my husband got the second text too after getting an appointment for the free second COVID vaccine. It's not a scam as around the HSE it's just that they're trying to stop the paperwork when you get to the vaccination centre but they've also told me you don't have to do it online if you're not comfortable doing it online but it's great if you can do it online and have it all done at home because it speeds up things when you get to the vaccination centre, and obviously, that's what they are trying to do at the vaccination centre. They're trying to get through as many people as possible as quickly as possible. So, just to alert people, it's something new that's happening. If you when you get your second text, certainly for the AstraZeneca don't know if it's the same for Pfizer or Moderna but it certainly seems to be happening with the AstraZeneca they will ask you to click on a link and you just do the questions that you're normally asked when you get to the vaccination centre just to speed up the process 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862
1: 103 103 Court Today on C103 With
0: Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and and Health Insurance, cmig.ie. c 103s Smart Speaker Giveaway is coming.
1: Play C103.
0: We've got loads of cool new Smart Speakers to give away every day. Join
1: Ken Tobin for Cork's More Music Breakfast and stay with us all day long for your chance to win.
0: Listen for the cue to text or WhatsApp. If we call you back, repeat the phrase... Play C103. ...to win a Smart Speaker. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop
1: C103's Smart Speaker Giveaway starts Monday. With
0: Done Deal, for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships.
1: Stay listening to win. And
0: remember to say
1: play C103. According
2: to Weather Forecasters and we are going to be featuring the weather later on on the programme today next week fine sunny spells are set to return which will mean many families will head to our wonderful beaches and we really are blessed in Cork because we have some stunning really beautiful beaches but if you have a family member who is a wheelchair user, accessibility to the beach can often be an issue. East Cork Councillor Daniela Toomey is calling on the Council to introduce Beach Wheelchair and she joins me to explain more about her suggestion. Good morning to you Daniela.
4: Good morning Patricia and
2: you're welcome to the programme. Now I've only ever seen photographs and I've actually seen a little video clip on someone else's uh, page of these beach wheelchairs but can you describe them to people who may never have seen one before what they are
4: like? Okay, well the, the beach wheelchair that I specifically had asked for with the council is an all terrain beach chair. Um the, we currently only have one beach chair um within Cork County and that's in the Warren Beach um down in West Cork. Um unfortunately that be that beach wheelchair can only be maneuvered on certain types of terrain and the council has been, you know, looking at trying to implement these will these specific chairs in other areas but because of the terrain these these chairs haven't been um they ha- they're, they're not suitable for the area so this particular beach wheelchair it's like an adapted version of the one we have already okay. um the the wheels are cu- the wheels are they're, they're made from a different material and they're they're not as as large as the wheels that we have on on the current one so because of the way that it is engineered, it's it's fit for use on multi-terrain, um, which really kind of, you know, it, it solves the problem that we have here in Cork County Council in regards to it not being suitable. Um, so it can be used on rough terrain, it can be used in soft sand, it can be used on snow, it, and it can also be submerged in water, which I'm not sure that the, the regular chair that we have in the Warren can be. So it really does give the user a, a different quality um, of experience when they come to the beach and that they can go into the water and that they can experience the beach in the same way as everybody yeah,
5: else.
2: I, you know, I'm thinking of a young child being able to go into the sea with brothers and sisters and everybody's splashing around and, you know, the the the, the little boy or girl who's the wheelchair user is sitting in this can be just wheeled in in this, in the this special chair i mean what an experience for that child and indeed for
4: all of the family of course and this is what it's so important it's and it needs to be a priority for our council to allow um to, to allow accessibility to this level for everybody. Um, and you know, the good thing about this particular chair is that it can be adapted for use um, as both for children and for adults. Oh, fantastic. So it really is totally adaptable. Um, now, it's it needs to be stored in the same way as the chair that we have in the Warren, but it can be folded so it is more compact. So for that reason, you know, storage, you know, storage is an issue. But it kind of, the fact that it can be folded and it's more compact, you know, that that's, it's a solution to it in itself. But I suppose, um, you know, it's not just about getting the chair down there. There's so many other things that need to, you know, to be done. You know, storage is one. Second of all, we need to try and get community groups on, on, to to come forward that will help you know that will lease out the chair that will look after the chair because my motion specifically asked for these chairs to be implemented at lifeguarded beaches and at our blue flag beach but um the you know our our lifeguards they need to be so fo- and the, you know the response of the municipal district operations officer was that our lifeguards need to be focusing on the beach the beach goers and the safety of that and i totally agree so unless we can get volunteer groups that are that are nearby our beaches that can come forward that will help out with this and that's our next step um is trying to source these groups um you know, it's going to be very difficult for us to get these chairs implemented. And, you know, for me, I would love to see these chairs at every single beach, that we have a lifeguard, that we have a blue flag, because I do, I do think that, you know, anybody in a wheelchair deserves the same quality of experience as anybody
0: else. Even and just it's so, for,
2: so important. To, even just for an older person who is wheelchair bound, just yep. to go for, for somebody to get into this wheelchair and for somebody to, able to bring them for a walk, Along the along you know a walk along the beach, something yep. that you can 't do in a normal wheelchair you can 't push a normal wheelchair over over no. sand yeah and are, are i mean they,
4: the are they expensive daniela they're not um the hippocamp chair, which is the one that um i had I had I had spoken to the council about they're coming in at around two thousand euros like the 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 expense of the chair and buying the chair isn't really the issue it It seems to be storage facility of the wheelchair insurance cover and you know the people who um who will look after the chair need to be need to have training in how to operate the chair and how to look after the chair um you know and uh, there's so many uh you know somebody needs to operate the booking system. So I know in the case of the Warren the Pitch and Pot Club um volunteer their services um, in the booking system to allow people to lease out the chair brilliant so you know it's 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 we need like it's it's all these different um they, there's all, yeah there's a lot of different yeah.
2: aspects and it would have to be like a community group or you know maybe a community group can get together but they would have to be living locally so for the storage of it and then to be available on Saturday they morning would. when somebody turns yeah. up with a, a child that has booked it for 10 o'clock to be there yeah. to give them the wheelchair show them how it's used and then be back to collect it and have ready for the next and there isn't there a lot of work in it but there is a level of work in it for sure yeah
4: there is and also i think with with covid as well it has the chair has to be cleaned sufficiently between each use. so there really needs to be somebody there you know to supervise supervise that and make sure that it's safe for the next person to use it so um you know like at the moment where we are with it my initial um I had initial a motion to the municipal district because I was looking for one for Gary Vaux Beach. And I had been down there a couple of weeks ago. I'd spoken to the lifeguards down there who were, you know, very, very favourable to even, you know, attending training. And they would operate it themselves. They, had, they were very favourable to that. But obviously the municipal district's officer feels that they need to be, you know, focused on the beach, which I totally agree with. Yeah. Um, We had a look at the ramp down there, and that's another issue, access to the beach. So, you know, where the the chair is stored, there needs to be sufficient and safe access to the beach. So some of the ramps on our beach may need to be altered for the chair. So that's an additional thing that, that, that needs to be looked at. But I have a meeting with a lovely lady from the Disability Federation of Ireland this evening. So we are very hopeful that between us we can really push and you know, see if well we done. can get get this implemented because it's so important um, and it's something, you know, it's something that's very important to well done. To and you've got, well. you've got the conversation going.
2: That's the most important one. Get the conversation going and, and it, it'll blossom, please God, from there. Listen, Daniela, we'll stay in contact with you to see how you get on with this. But in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us.
4: Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to
2: you too. That is uh, East Cork councillor Daniela Toomey. On the way coming up, we'll look at your calls and comments coming in, and we're also looking at why the Office of the Planning Regulator is critical of Cork County Council's draft development plan.
1: Cork today on C103
0: with Sean Cusack, Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. Cmig.ie.
2: Thank you to people still getting in calls and texts in from people. Now, I, from what I can gather, it seems to be, I don't know if it's only for people going for their AstraZeneca second jab, maybe it's happening for people with their second visor jab as well. You get the text message to give you the date and then anything up to an hour afterwards, you get another text message asking you to go on to the HSE website to answer a few questions and of course people are getting very suspicious about that. Noel in Kilmurray Village says, I got the very same text from the HSE with regard to my second jab and, and also it came via a text. So therefore I was suspicious because of all of the scams that we're hearing about. Notice as I logged onto the HSC website on my computer and I clicked onto my account with the password. They then send you a code via an SMS, a text message which you enter into your account so that you know that everything's above board. All the questions were there to be answered so it definitely isn't a scam. But there was no publicity around it so no wonder people are worried. Yeah, I mean that's all it would have taken. and So I'm glad that it's come up on the programme today so we can and let others know because there's so many people now particularly people in the 60 to 69 age group are starting to get texts to say that they're getting their second jab in the coming week and into next week and hopefully by the back end of next week everybody over the age of 60 should have received their second jab so just to alert people when you get your text you will get a follow-up text and that it isn't a scam and you're right Noel a little bit of publicity around it even if they had just emailed all of the local radio stations and the national radio stations for us to give it a mention and get the message out to people because people are so worried about But getting c- and they're right and you are and people are right and Noel you were dead right to check in with the HSE and make sure that it was all above board and that's what we're constantly saying to people and if it's something genuine that's fine but nobody wants to get sucked in by a scam so keep a lookout for that when you're getting your second jab you could I don't know if everybody's getting it or if it's just people with the AstraZeneca I don't know if Pfizer people are getting it and even then I don't know if everyone is getting it or not but it's to speed up the process somebody at the HSC told one of our listeners it's to speed up the process at the vaccination centre and anything that we can do to speed up the process there in order to get more people in the door to get more people vaccinated We are all for that. And lots of calls in about insurance costs when we were talking about the Personal Injuries Assessment Board, PIAP. And the good news that we are seeing award levels in personal injury cases since they kicked in in April. They are down on average by about 50% in the past two months. But people starting to get very annoyed that we're not seeing the knock on it should translate into lower premiums. And certainly people are not seeing that yet. Heidi says, Patricia, I believe up to now the judges here have set the pay out for accidents on these claims. Well, yeah, the judges decide, but it's done on what's called a book of quantum and the book of quantum has The level that you can give to somebody if they've got whiplash is the famous one. And we seem to, we're not in line with the rest of Europe or what we've been paying out on whiplash in this kind of soft tissue industry uh, injury. But yeah, the Book of Quantum was there if you broke a leg or, God forbid, if you lost a leg. And, you know, and they they set out. And that's what judges uh, were doing. But then PIAP kicked in. And the whole idea of this is it's the states. Personal Injuries Assessment Board and it was put in place to settle claims without a need to incur legal costs. So that's how costs are down uh, as well. And all personal injury claims now have to go through PIAP before they can be released onto the uh, courts. And because of that, uh, we've now seen that they're paying out much less than what they would have paid out in previous cases when they ended up in the courts and that's why we're hearing down 50%. Anyway back to Heidi's text Too many people have tried to claim for stupid little things If you watch Judge Judy on you know, the famous Judge Judy on TV she takes no prisoners on the subject of people trying to claim for very small falls or scrapes It's good the judges here are now seeing this Thank goodness says Heidi and hopefully the knock-on will be that we'll all start to see our premiums fall but certainly the listeners contacting us this morning are not seeing their Premiums fall. Hi Patricia, I paid five hundred and thirty euro last year for my car insurance. My insurance broker has quoted me five hundred and ninety five euro and ninety nine cents, just under six hundred euro this year. But they could get it at a cheaper price, four hundred and seventy two euro from another insurance uh, company. Needless to say, I rang around different brokers, and I've ended up getting my insurance for four hundred and thirty euro. So it certainly does pay to shop around. Tim in Middleton says I got my renewal. It was up in March. Had all my details ready to do it online as the offices were closed due to uh, COVID. I was quoted 575 euro. That's what I paid last year. And no, I was quoted 575 euro last year. I paid 550 euro so, an increase of 25 euro. So I phoned them up because I wasn't doing much uh, driving, but wasn't getting any, anywhere. The company I have my insurance with has an office locally. And When I was out walking in town, I happened to see the lady who worked in the office and I said, are you back open again? And she said, we are. And she said, oh, great. He said can I drop in the premium? she says you can of course come on down and when, she w- when he went down into the office spoke to the lady she did a few clicks took a look to the policy she got the premium down to 450 euro fair play to her says Tim similar I suppose to ringing around and similar to ringing your insurance company as well and seeing if they are willing to give you any kind of a discount or give you a- anything off it I think the message that we get to everybody is you don't pay when the premium comes in you don't pay exactly what the premium is either contact the company and there's loyalty people have loyalty to these companies which we're always the consumer associations are always telling us do not have loyalty to insurance companies because they certainly don't pay for loyalty any of the insurance companies be it in car insurance home insurance health insurance I mean I don't think I've ever seen an insurance company come and say well the fact you've been with us for 10, 15 years unbroken you've been with us every single year we're going to reward you for that and it's, it's the same, isn't it, when with our utilities, with our electricity companies, our phone companies, our gas companies, they just don't pay for loyalty. And if you look at all of the incentives and all of the discounts that are ever given be it in insurance and certainly in utility companies it's given to new customers So hence the reason we all have to get into that mindset of getting away from the loyalty to these companies and deciding to do shopping around and I know it can take some time uh, but if you have the wherewithal and the time shop around and it certainly will save you money. Norma in Bandon says I paid 450 euro last year premium came in this year it went up to 477 that is indeed even fully comp. It's third party fire and theft. I asked the company what was the best they could do and they said they could give me 30 euro off but the original price was already gone up. So even with the 30 euro off I was paying similar to what I paid last year so there wasn't any kind of a decrease. So people just extremely annoyed in what they're paying on insurance uh, premiums. 18 Fifty three 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 one zero three. Dave says, "Patricia, you're so right when you're talking about insurance, and that other listener who said there are people who claim, and um, they don't have genuine claims, particularly when you were referred to soft tissue inju- injury. You said t- soft tissue tissue industry." and it is did I say industry it is a soft tissue industry <laughs> it is and it isn't a victim it's, you know we all pay for it you know when people decide to go oh oh my whiplash oh and I'm not taking away from people who genuinely have whiplash by the way but uh, when people who are those you know those really unfortunate people that seem to have four five and six uh, claims over their lifetime and you think how unfortunate are those people and it's uh, constantly a bad back or bad neck from the whiplash and you're thinking mm, yeah really and we all End up paying for it because we all end up paying more in our premium. Thank you, Dave, for your text. Now, a couple of other issues. Uh, Uh, Hi, Patricia. The, oh no, I'm waiting for John Paul. I'll leave that one for a sec because I'm just waiting to get an update on that. Two have come in and we have sent information to the council to see if we can help out the listeners on this. Hi Patricia, we're living in the Lochadera area just outside of Middleton. We walk around the loch twice a day. Well done. The hogweed though by the school is absolutely disgraceful. As you know, Patricia, you can get a really badly burnt by touching from hogweed if it gets onto your bare skin. You could actually end up with burn marks. I don't know why the council are not cu- cutting it back. Could you find out for us, please, as to why it has not been done? So we've put a call or an email into the council on that one. So bear with us. And then somebody else has asked us, and again, we've contacted the council, a question about the bridge. On the Charleville to Newton Road, just at the speed limit sign as you exit Charleville, the walls of the bridge were knocked down. Now this texter said it happened about 12 months ago but it hasn't been repaired. Now it's on a bend on the road. Can you find out or get any update on it? And I suppose if it happened 12 months ago we were in the midst of the, the pandemic and maybe they didn't have the workers to go out and fix it but we're going to get on to the council to see if it can be sorted out and how soon they expect to have it sorted out. Thank you for that. 1850 333103 John Paul taking your cause oh i do have the, up to the i do have the information on this this is another listener has been on gene to say patricia the street light at the top of Donerill town is not working and it's been out for the last two weeks its poll number 17 is it possible that you could get that sorted out i can't sort i can't do it myself but i can tell you what you can do gene or anybody else living in the donorell area you need to get on to sse electricity sse electricity hold the contract to fix public lights for corporate City and Cork Council. And what you do is you contact them via 1850 372 772 or you can go online to com, and by going online it's probably the easiest way to do it. You click on report fault and then they'll take the information from you. And I know whenever we get calls in about the street light is gone and we pass that information on to listeners, they all come back and say they reported it and it was fixed pretty quickly there. It is a pretty efficient system. But SSE Airtricity, who fix the public lights for Cork City and County, they need to be told when a street light is gone. So, as I say, you can call them 1850 372 772. But probably the easiest and the quickest way is to go online, dot solutions.com, and click on Report a Vault.
1: C103 Jobs.
2: We have a secretary required it's to cover maternity leave it's in a busy office in Bandham while qualified and trainee window fishers are wanted it's a full-time position it's in Calumni and the surrounding areas Arctic driver wanted that's for local work in the Newmarket area and first and second fit carpenters are required for immediate start it's long-term work And all the work is in the Cork area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
1: Court today on C103.
0: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. Cmig.ie. Thank you to Joe,
2: one of our listeners who's just alerted me to news that's just after breaking from the Dublin City Marathon 2021. Dublin Marathon has been cancelled for the second year in a row. The organisers are saying. Too many unknowns ahead of the marathon that was due to be held on the twenty fourth of October. And I know we will have a lot of Cork runners, marathon runners, who will be bitterly disappointed with that, people who are already in training for it. All entries for the twenty twenty one Dublin City Marathon will now be valid for the race that fingers crossed will go ahead in twenty twenty two. But the organisers say if you don't wish to avail of that, you can you are entitled to a full refund the Dublin City Marathon for the second year in a row has been cancelled. 1850 333103 lines open. The Office of the Planning Regulator has criticised a new draft development plan by Cork County Council for proposing to rezone an excessive level of land for residential use beyond what the watchdog says is projected housing needs. The newly elected Mayor of Cork County, Councillor Gillian Coughlin uh, joins me. Good morning to Gillian. Good morning Patricia. Now many will say we need to be building as many houses as possible uh, has the council have you have you over exaggerated the population growth is that what's gone wrong here?
6: Well Patricia firstly thank you for giving me the opportunity to respond to that article on the on the examiner and um, there are a number of, of issues at play here. Firstly our county development plan is still in draft form and along with the 1,241 other submissions, we welcome the submission from the Office of the Planning Regulator. That was the whole idea of the public consultation, that um, public bodies and private individuals could contribute to the plan-making for Cork County. So this is one, as I say, of 1,242 submissions, and it will be considered by members in a response from the Chief Executive um, over, the, over the autumn, and we will be looking at all of these. So it is very welcome. However... The article itself focuses only on the negatives and there were some very, very positives in the um, in the submission from the Office of the Planning Regulator. And to get to your question about overestimating um, the the need for pop- or the population growth, we certainly have not. Um, the calculations that have taken place in County Hall and have been discussed with uh with councillors um, have been as accurate as possible based on Ireland twenty forty. And in fact, we have reduced the amount of zoned land from 2,064 hectares to 836 hectares of the county. So, you know, an an amount, uh, the focus is on compact growth and on high densities, which a lot of us councillors have um, a lot of issue with. Mm. Uh, We feel that maybe these high densities are not merited in our towns where people would like to have a garden and, you know, the um, move towards apartment living. So this national policy a lot of it is taking power out of the councillors' hands and while the um, our planning authority and our planning uh, department in County Hall are trying to align themselves with um, national policy as best as possible um, and try to strike a balance with local needs as well.
2: Yeah, and and I can understand trying to, you know, to, to keep it in line with national policy but I always feel with councillors, uh, Gillian you're the ones on the ground you know what's happening locally that sometimes when you're trying to align something with national policy somebody sitting in an office in Dublin might have no understanding of what's going down in a rural part of Cork
6: Absolutely, absolutely and this is the, the conundrum, you know and the difficulty for, for us as um, as local as local representatives and we, at the end of the day we will vote on this um, we, our hands will be tied to a great degree, and more and more by the um, regional spatial economic strategy and by the Office of the Planning Regulator. But at the, you know, we're trying as, as best we can to push against that and to try and bring the local um, flavour, as you say, and the local needs to mm. the plan. And I must say, in Cork County Council, that's a very strong emphasis among our planners as well. They, you know, they are working on that. So um, I, I reject you know the the negativity in the article in the examiner because it in fact it did not highlight the excellent work which did the office of the planning regulator did say in his submission um you know he he emphasized um our our emphasis on the development of main towns and key villages on our plans for pub- high quality public transport on our um, provision of a strategy for renewable energy um you know the the regeneration of of town centres. All of that is in the county development plan. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of positives. Yes, and but there's huge that,
2: detail. There's huge detail we have, in that. And of course, we've a housing crisis. People want houses to be built. Absolutely. And the draft development plan, your plan would be it would be to build four and a half thousand new housing units a year for every year that the development plan is in operation. Uh, do the planning regulator agree with that?
6: He has, He's taken issue with some calculations there. Um, but, you know, as regards Ireland 2040, Ireland 2040 foresees an, a population growth uh, in the county of 100,000. And so, if we're to plan for 2040, you can look at any number of permutations and combinations of, of each year as to how much the population will grow. We, you know, it is a plan and we know that not every zoned um, piece of ground will come up for development. We need to build houses, quality houses for families that are um, living in this county. And so we're planning for that. We need to work with um, Irish Water. Irish Water need to put in the water and wastewater infrastructure in our towns and villages to service those new homes. And, of course, Transport Infrastructure Ireland um, with regard roads and bridges to, um, to access these new new um, developments. So there's a lot on there. And, you know, the, the calculations about, you know, particular years of population growth, as you say, we're already on the back foot of trying to house the people we have in the country at, at present, not to mind, to say, um, you know, quibbling about about numbers of people who uh, increases year on year.
2: And also the regulator said that the development plan fails to designate the towns of Mallow and Clonakilty for further growth.
6: Now, the there is a regional spatial economic strategy which designates Mallow and Clonakilty as key towns. Yeah. Um, in Cork County Council, we look at all our towns equally and want to promote all of our towns and to progress all of our towns and to put each um, town's best foot forward, whatever its key attribute is, to promote that and to make the best of it. So that's that's what's happening, and that you know every public representative, every one of the fifty-five councillors in um, in County Hall wants to represent their area and make sure that their towns. Um, you know, are progressing and are developing and improving year on year. And that is why we have a separate um, campaign underway at the moment to try and ensure that we get more funding um, for Cork County to improve our towns and to regenerate our towns because we feel that we're being unfairly treated compared to other other counties. So, you know, we're very ambitious. And that is why, as I say, I'm really pleased that you've brought me on today to defend um, the, the really hard work that is being done um, in County Hall and by the councillors and to really, you know, take from the negativity that is yeah, in this article. Yeah,
2: and uh, stay there because Councillor Kevin Murphy, uh, Banding Kinsale Councillor, also uh, contacted us about this uh, report and, and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, uh, Kevin. Good morning, Hey, Kevin. Good morning, Mayor. Do, good morning, Kevin. Do, you, do you feel it was unfair criticism of the... County Development Plan.
7: I talked about it. I must say it was uh, shocking. I, I was absolutely surprised at last to see this particular one on the back of the exam on Monday evening Monday morning, um, criticizing Cork County for being ambitious. And as Mayor uh, the, the out, it is a very ambitious program. Unfortunately for for us, when you look at the the front of the examiner, the front of the examiner will tell its its own story. It says average house prices rise by 11% minimum, and that grew up to 15% in places. So what's after happening really and truly, um, and it's bound our hands big time, is that there's a substantial amount of land have been de-zoned in Cork County. Um, my belief is that's a totally and absolutely, um, it's a backward step for Cork County. Because, number one, the more land that you have available, uh, for development effectively if we keep prices down. Unfortunately for us, the less land you have zoned, the more expensive it's going to be for development. And that will drive the price of houses through the roof before it's finished, um, not alone the price of materials at the moment and everybody else. Everything is up 50 to 20%, and land will the land cost will drive it absolutely ballistic. And, and I think it was the other way we could be going, have enough land zoned, ensure that the people can have a choice to buy the land and in actual fact keep the price for
2: house prices down. And Julia, why
6: was the land dezoned? This is the national policy, unfortunately, the compact growth and high density. Um, and the fact that some, you know, of the sites that were zoned in the past were not developed. So our our previous plan had two thousand and sixty four hectares. That was perfectly legal under the previous Policy, but now under current policy, we have to reduce that because of this drive towards compact growth. Unfortunately, and that mm-hmm. we feel that that's not congruent with how Cork County, in particular Cork County, the more rural aspects of the county, should be developing. There's no need for high density, um, you know, development in places like Bandon, Damanway. Um, you know, we we want houses that have gardens. People have high quality of life to utilise the space that we have efficiently and sustainably. And
2: Kevin, you also want to highlight the fact that the council and the work that the council decide to do, it is going to be very much dependent on people like, and I know Gillian touched on it, Irish Water, providing the adec- adequate services and Transport Infrastructure Ireland, providing the roads that will be needed.
7: Well, there are several contradictions in the National, in national uh, Planning framework, which is, which is um, a guideline, if you like. Um, it's an easy guideline from the department as well. The fact of the matter is, uh, written in that particular program itself, it says quite distinctly that we really need to move away from uh, so many rural housing, individual rural housing, because of the contamination of groundwater and move them into the towns and villages instead. But there's a knock-on effect here. You can't move them into the villages and towns unless you have the services that are available. The sewage and water and Irish water um, are completely and absolutely opposed to any house being built in some of those villages because the services have got to be put in, even if even if a developer wants to develop a number of houses inside the village is bad from the waste, by water. And that's a total it is a total contradiction there, um, uh, Patricia, because of the fact that if you're talking on the one hand, um, that you want to move away from rural development, you want to move into the towns and villages, and the services aren't available so you can't build in there either. Where are people going to live? it
2: mm. mm. Yeah, and and more and more people want to live in rural areas and I think the one thing the pandemic has shown is people want to get out of the very bigger urban areas and people want to live in more rural areas. Uh, Gillian, we are going to see a lot more people disappointed, aren't we? Because they won't be able to build or buy in an area that they dearly want to live in.
6: Well, it, it is looking like that, especially if the infrastructure, as, as Kevin mentioned there, the Irish water infrastructure isn't going to service our or villages in particular, um, there will be disappointment and it will, as as has been said, prices will become unsustainable and that's that's regrettable. There's and there's no need for that.
5: Okay,
2: and just uh, just remind us what now. This is the draft county development plan. Just explain the timeline of what happens with this development plan.
6: Yes. So the chief executive, um, the planners will uh, go through the submissions, and a chief executive's report will issue to us in the autumn, and we will review that. And there will be um, a, a vote on, on that then coming up into the spring of next year, and a. a the county Development Plan will be put in place in the spring of next year.
2: Okay. How was your first week as mayor? Gone? Has it been a busy one?
6: It's been busy, yes. but been marvellous. So I've had really positive feedback and lovely messages and gifts and flowers, and I really want to thank everybody most sincerely for the positivity and the goodwill. It's been a, an excellent, an excellent couple, of, uh, an excellent week.
2: Thank great. you. Great, great way to start on the, on a, on a high. Uh, long may it continue. Gillian, thank you. Uh, thank you for that, and Kevin, thank you for joining us as well this morning. You're welcome. Good morning. Good morning, to you. That is the mayor of Cork County Council. Councillor Gillian Cochlin and also on the line Bandon Kinsale, uh, Councillor Kevin Murphy, 1850-333-103. By the way, I can see a lot of texts coming in for Peter Dowd. Unfortunately, Peter is not available uh, to join us this week to answer your gardening questions and he won't be available again next week. because so he'll be back with us two weeks' time. He'll be uh, answering all of your gardening questions. So our apologies to people who are taking time out uh, to text your questions. Unfortunately, won't get answered uh, today. You can text or WhatsApp anything else though to 862 one o three, one o three.
1: Court today on C one o three with
0: Sean Cusack Insurance's kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie.
2: And still getting in text from people proving that if you ring around or if you get back onto your insurance uh, provider when your premium arrives, uh, we're getting in, still getting in texts and calls from people saying the amount of money that they saved, including this one from Breeda, to say I got a reduction last year of €110 Euro from the same insurance company I'd been with the previous year when my premium arrived this year I rang them again and they've knocked another €40 Euro off it so in the last year I have saved €150 Euro. if you just paid up the initial premium uh, Brie, there would have been €150 Euro down and you're better off having that €150 Euro in your bank account than in the uh, car insurance uh, bank accounts uh, instead well done eighteen fifty. 333103. And as I say, lots of similar texts like that of people saying that if you do ring around, you certainly can save money. Now, phases like having a gut instinct, butterflies in your tummy, or just feeling gutted have all become part of our everyday language. While it now seems there is some scientific evidence behind these feelings. And joining me is nutritionist Dr. Mary McCreary, who is based at the Blackrock Clinic in Dublin, to explain the science scientific evidence behind this. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you, you, you're welcome. Now, you're here to tell us that there is a direct physical connection between our gut and our brain. Tell us more.
8: Yeah, that's right. And um, a survey that was carried out by Yackles, um was done to investigate how much did the Irish public really know about the connection between the gut And the brain, which is called the gut brain access. So where we have many of these expressions that have been used for hundreds of years from having a gut feeling or gut instinct or having butterflies in the stomach or feeling gutted about something. And, or, you know, women are, will, will report and 75% of the women of this survey says they would feel love and happiness and um, in their stomachs so where we've known of these feelings um only four in ten people actually would recognize the gut as being the second brain so why the connection is is that um, the brain and the gut go through a, a very regular but complex communication uh, system um, between your vagus nerve and chemical messengers, which are called neurotransmitters. Now, these neurotransmitters are often called the um, feel-good or the happy hormones because they can influence our mood and our emotions, and they're things like dopamine and serotonin. Um, but the fascinating thing is that we have now discovered that these neurotransmitters are also produced by the gut cells and the trillions of microbes that actually live in our gut um, and they produce these neurotransmitters and it's estimated that more than 90% of the serotonin in our body is actually produced within the gut. Goodness me.
2: And is it fair to say that we, (laughs) we as women, we feel our emotions more in our gut than men do?
8: I think probably that women in general probably feel more emotion because we're allowed to feel emotion where it has been you know men have often been sort of told and shown that not to show emotion and to maybe block off those emotions which i don't actually believe in because emotion is it is, is a very human positive uh, part of of being human of being humans but women will definitely acknowledge that they feel love and happiness um, in their gut, whereas men would be more were likely to acknowledge that they feel fear in their gut rather than actual ha- happiness or love. Um, but the interesting thing for me as a dietitian is that the lifestyle factors uh, can also be very influential in, in the production of these neurotransmitters. So a high-fibre diet Fruits like vegetables, fruits, beans, whole grains, omega-3s and fortified dairy products and fermented dairy products. These will all help produce a wide diversity um, of microbes in the gut, which will help produce these neurotransmitters. So it's showing that our diet actually can be very influential on, on the, the, these feel-good hormones, but also other non-dietary aspects like exercise and lack of exercise and stress are shown to have a negative impact on the production of these neurotransmitters. So the, the advice really that that we're trying to get across is to try and have a high-fibre diet and try and get out and have regular exercise. So even your 20-30-minute walk on a daily basis and to go for some of the, the de stresses like yoga and meditation and even just being outdoors in nature that will reduce your stress, that all of these have been shown in very positive ways to improve your gut and your brain health.
2: Yeah, and when would when a lot of people will say, and again, I go back to it's not just always females, but it's a tendency to be more females when you're going through any kind of you know emotions like love or uh, sadness or, or fear. People will say that it can affect your appetite. You know, you you'll regularly hear people say, "Oh, I was so stressed, I forgot to eat." Is that a kind of an explanation for it? What you're talking um, about is that it's linked.
8: I pres- I, pres- I presume in in the stress end of it, it would definitely be linked all right because you know, other expressions like I'm feeling queasy or I'm feeling yeah. nauseous or I'm feeling disgusted or I'm feeling sick about something or it's going to make me feel sick. And um, you know, that uh, having a sinking feeling in your stomach, that obviously this is a sign of the emotion and a sign of the stress that is actually happening. So your your brain is very, very connected to your stomach and maybe that we need to start listening a little bit more to those to, to to those gut feelings and to trust our gut instincts and to trust those things that we're actually feeling in our gut, but knowing also on the positive end that our lifestyle factors can improve that as well and, and make sure that we do have those feel-good uh, feelings, particularly, you know, after the 18 months that we've all have mm. been through and probably still a bit to go through, that... So it is under our control to a certain level. You do have to eat well, you do have to exercise and you do have to to engage in in anti-stress methods if you are under stress.
2: But you would suggest that if somebody has a gut instinct about something, would you Listen trust it? it? Well, yeah, 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 you would trust yeah, absolutely. it. Would trust it. So,
8: absolutely. I would definitely trust it, yes.
2: Whether it's, whether it's, you know, sometimes you have a gut instinct telling you it's the right thing to do or it's the wrong, wrong thing to do. So looking after our gut, uh, Mary, and having a healthy one, I mean, that is your main message today.
8: That is the main message, absolutely. And for anybody that is particularly interested in the gut-brain access, Yakult have produced an educational video. It's only about three minutes long. But it can be found on their YouTube channel. So for anybody that has a particular interest in the gut brain access, it's very very interesting.
2: Okay. all right, we'll leave it there Mary. Thank you for that. Okay. Thank thank you very much. Thank you for joining us uh, today. That is Dr. Mary McCreary, McCreary who is a nutritionist and she's based at the Blackrock Clinic in Dublin. Follow your gut instinct. I certainly I don't know if it's just me but I certainly rely, I definitely rely on my gut instinct and you know generally if something's coming up and People are, you know, a family thing or whatever. And uh, there was something lately you now and somebody was worried about something. And I, and I said to this family member, i telling you, my gut instinct tells me that everything is going to be OK. And it was OK. Uh, and I, I, have a, I really am a firm believer in my gut instinct. And I've, I can't even think of a time where I can honestly say my gut instinct told me it was going to work out and then it didn't work out. Uh, and I'm assuming there's a lot of other people as well follow. Follow you. You do follow your gut instincts, but it was just—it's interesting that the science is there behind it. That gut-brain uh, access and looking after our gut, and isn't it something from a nutritional point of view that our our wonderful nutritional therapist Annalise Driselle is telling us certainly on a weekly basis here on uh, this programme and of course our own Annalise will be back with us uh, next Monday answering all of your nutritional questions and I'm still getting in questions for Peter our resident gardener and I know this is time of the year when Peter is always really really busy on the programme but unfortunately he's not with us today not with us next Wednesday but he will be back with us in uh, two weeks at time now I need to take a break we do have new news at have midday on the We are going to be looking, taking a look at the weather to see what way the weather is going to pan out because the early indications are that we could be hitting in for some good weather to come back to us after the wonderful weather we had last week. This week has been a bit of a disappointment so we're trying to find out what we can expect, particularly if you're organising or planning anything for outdoors and we also have a listener who is looking for some help in relocating an item that is uh, lost. We'll also try to give you the very latest on the EU digital COVID certs because we've had a couple of listeners who have booked holidays and they want to leave the country fully vaccinated and wondering when will their EU digital COVID cert arrive?
1: That and more coming
2: up afternoons at twelve.
1: Cork today on C103
0: with John Cusack. Insurances Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. Cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: We've had somebody contact us who has a flight booked for the 19th of July, is planning on heading away and wondering, will they receive their EU digital COVID cert in time? Because their flight is actually booked for uh, the 19th of July, which is the Monday, isn't it? Uh, the government, now this is this is what's been reported, that the government can't guarantee that uh, all fully vaccinated people will ha- physically have the digital COVID cert in your hands by July the 19th. We know that fully vaccinated people uh, will are entitled to it but we're now being told that many of the fully vaccinated people will have to wait to get the vaccine cert which was a QR code And you'll get it from the HSE and that QR code will then act as your COVID certificate. Now, it's going to come either in an email, so keep an eye on your emails, or you could receive it in in the post. It depends, it seems, on what information you have already provided to the HSE. And they're not going to start issuing them until next Monday. And next Monday is the 12th. So there's a one week between the 12th and uh, the 19th. So I really don't know in seven days will the government be able to issue. It'll be 1.7 million certs. That's how many people are fully vaccinated. Will they be able to do it in seven days? I don't know. Reading some of the reports, it is looking like they won't have all of them out within uh, seven days. The government spokesperson in the papers today, has already admitted that they can't guarantee that every fully vaccinated person. Will have their cert on time, and certainly that's not the answer that the listeners contacted us. Who has her flight booked for the nineteenth? Certainly is not what uh, she wants to hear. Now, those who registered for your vaccine through the vaccine portal, it's likely if you went through the portal that you will receive your cert via email. If you got your jab at your GP practice, are those that are now getting their jabs at the pharmacy? then it is more than likely you will be posted out your digital COVID certificate. It's understood more than half of the vaccination certs will be issued by post initially. So keep a lookout for the postman. The certs will be generated by the Office of the Chief Information by the Office of the Chief Information Officer. I swear to God, we, we have jobs in this country and you wonder, I've never heard of the office of the Chief Information Officer. And I don't even know what that position is. But anyway, that's the office that is going to be generating the certs. And they're going to use the data that has been garnered by the HSE. And it seems the revenue commissioners they are getting involved because they are going to assist with the initial batch of postal deliveries. Now I don't know why revenue and it's got nothing to do with your tax or anything to do with that but for some reason according to the papers today the revenue commissioners are going to get involved with the postal services. Now maybe just because they've got the facilities in place because the revenue commissioners are used to posting things out to people maybe that's why I don't really know. I'll see if I can find out uh, more about that but it's the office of the chief information officer who will be using the data from the HSE to issue these certs. Those who have not been vaccinated and we do know that from July 19th, if you haven't been vaccinated you can still travel you can still get a digital COVID certificate but you're going to have to get a private PCR test and when I say private, I mean you're going to have to pay for a private PCR test and if that test comes back negative, then the private testing facility will be able to issue you with a DCC, as it's now being called, your digital cert. Those who have recovered from COVID, because we are getting questions about that, some people who had COVID have recovered still within uh, the nine months, haven't been vaccinated yet, want to travel, want to get a, a digital cert. They are entitled to a, a digital cert. What they are going to have to do is they're going to have to contact An established digital COVID certificate call centre to ask for one. Now, from what I can gather from the bit of research I did, I don't. That call centre isn't up and running yet. The government will establish. They're saying a one-stop for queries about the cert, on travel advice, on passports, and on mandatory hotel quarantine. Again. I don't know if that's all going to come in under the one call centre but that doesn't appear. If it is, we certainly haven't been given any details about it and we, don't, we certainly don't have the number but it looks like they're going to have a call centre up and running. Now of course in all, while all this has been uh, discussed uh, we know that uh, hospitality groups we mentioned this earlier in the week they're due to go back to the government officials tomorrow they met earlier in the week they're back tomorrow this is to continue the talks as to how what indoor dining is going to look like when that reopens again on that same day uh, July 19th. The government spokesperson says while there was a number of areas up for discussion, using these digital covert certificates as a vaccine pass was a strong candidate. So For people who are saying, sure, I don't want one of those digital COVID certs because I'm not planning on travelling anywhere. You will need that cert. It's looking like in order to do indoor dining, because when indoor dining comes, we know that indoor dining is going to be for people who are fully vaccinated or who have had COVID and, and have been recovered. So it is now starting to look like the digital COVID cert that will be sent out from the office of the chief information officer, with the help from the HSE and now with the help posting it out from the revenue commissioners that's going to be the search that you're going to use for indoor dining when that all gets up and running on the 19th of July as they say. We hopefully will have more details from that tomorrow when the hospitality bosses are back in with the government. Vaccine passes for indoor hospitality will also have the potential to be used for some of cultural events and festivals I mean Electric Pink for example is due to go ahead other festivals are due to go ahead but it is going to look like that people are going to need some kind of a vaccine pass so this digital COVID search it looks like it could be used for that as well and when concerts start to go uh, to go ahead and you know other, other events in order to get in you may need to prove that you have been vaccinated so it makes the most sense that if we have this one search the one search will do for uh, everything concerns of course are remaining about the highly infectious Delta variant taunsa of Radker yesterday saying uh, cases will rise dramatically. They're already warning about this in the next uh, few weeks. But he said there should not be a spiral of fear. He said it's a wave that's happening, but it's a wave that we can withstand. And, you know, making the point that this is going to be different to all of the other other waves, but the numbers will certainly rise in this country and we're seeing that it's happening already in other European uh, countries. The Varadkar said the lifting of all restrictions including social distancing and the wearing of masks in England which is also happening on the same date that we're hoping to open up in indoor dining here on the 19th of July the Irish government via Leo Varadkar is already accepting that it is simply too risky. Leo Varadkar is warning that if things go wrong in England there could be a spillover effect here and I listened with great interest to Mike Ryan, the wonderful Mike Ryan of the World Health Organisation and he was warning countries that they just need to be so careful about opening up too uh, quickly. He didn't specifically say England but you kind of felt the way he was talking that that's exactly who he was aiming his speech at yesterday and he made that point that for countries that decide to open up too quickly that the knock-on effect can be for their neighbouring countries and again I listened to Mike Ryan and said are you talking about your own home country of Ireland? Remember his family are, are living here and I got that sense and that feeling that that's exactly what Mike Ryan of the World Health Organisation was was talking about and then to have Leo Varadkar say that whatever, when, if if things do go wrong in england there could be a spill over here so that's something that we really have to watch with Great trepidation. I I was going to say we watch with great interest. It'll be more than great interest. I think we'll all be very nervous about what happens now. I mean, Boris Johnson is ever hopeful that everything that, you know, that they'll open up the country. And it is a gamble. People are saying it is probably the biggest gamble that any European country has taken so far. They're going to cast off, England will cast off most of their COVID-19 restrictions and the only other country to do it was Sweden remember they went for early herd immunity but it's now been seen as the boldest move in uh, Europe and it does seem that most of what is at the heart of the British plan uh, which is very much politically driven is the idea of personal responsibility they'll be saying to people look we're lifting all the restrictions on the 19th of July but you judge for yourself if you're in somewhere where you feel you should wear a mask then you should wear a mask so they are going to rely in England on personal responsibility and God knows we hope that it stays successful for them but we're we're already seeing the increase in cases in the UK. Now the success obviously of what will happen when they lift the restrictions in England is largely down to their vaccination uh, programme and they have had a really successful vaccination programme but however they're now dealing with the highly contagious Delta variant and they reckon in the UK before they even drop all of the restrictions, that their cases could be up at 50,000 cases a day by the 19th of July. But the key message in from England is the link between the rising cases and the risk of hospitalisation and deaths. While it's not entirely broken, it has greatly weakened. And that obviously is due to uh, vaccinations and the younger people who are the ones most at risk now of catching the virus, both in the UK and and here, they're likely to not become very ill. But then when you speak with some doctors and I listened to a really good doctor, Uh, he was in the UK very worried about this whole thing of opening up and almost just letting it rip through the younger people who haven't been vaccinated. You know, and he was making the point well, young people mightn't become very sick and they mightn't end up in hospital. You know, and please God that very few of them would die but he made the point that a lot of people end up becoming very unwell from this Delta uh, variant and therefore then they also run the risk that they could end up with long uh, COVID and they could end up with long COVID for a considerable period of time and we know in this country we have people battling with long COVID and it is the same in England and it's the same all over the world so it isn't just a case of saying sure I'll get it and it's only the flu and I'll be fine you don't know nobody knows what way this virus is going to affect people so there's a big big risk of what's going on uh, across at uh, the water but anyway back to our digital covert certificates. Keep an eye out for the postman from next Monday and uh, keep an eye on the email that you gave to the HSE. You should be receiving it and it'll come as a QR code from the HSE and that's what you'll then use as your digital covert search. And the fact QR code, you can put it into your smartphone. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862
0: 103 103.
1: The C103 Cork diary
0: with the new explore cork app a cork county council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do
2: Kildalloway Community Development, they're holding their weekly lottery draw. It'll be on tomorrow afternoon, 4 o'clock, in the local community office. They've got a jackpot this week of 2,300 euro. Castletown Bear Development Association, their drive in bingo is on Friday night, 8 o'clock, at the East End Pier. Jackpot 1,600 euro. And please note, it is a later start time this week. For the Castletown Bear Drive-In a Bingo, a Knocknagry Community Development Group, they're holding a drive-in bingo on Sunday, the eighteenth of July. That's in the village. Jackpot will be four hundred euro, and you're asked to arrive at twelve thirty p.m. for a one p.m. start in Knocknagry.
1: Court today on C one hundred three
0: with John Cusack. Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Let's see
2: if we can. Re- reunite somebody with cash that's just been found. Marian Mallow has just contacted us to say this morning she was at Tesco in Mallow and as she passed the ATM machine she saw money sticking out of the machine and no the ATM machine wasn't giving out uh, free money and she realised somebody had withdrawn cash from the ATM machine outside Tesco in Mallow and walked away without taking uh, the money she's looking after the money now she's gone she went into Tesco in Mallow to see had anybody been in to say that they lost money but nobody had so far so she's obviously left her details at Tesco in Mallow and we've sent her on to the Garda station now as well in case somebody's gone into the uh, Garda station but if that rings a bell with somebody who withdrew money from the machine the Tesco the ATM machine which is in the wall outside Tesco in Mallow we have Marie's contacting
0: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors,
5: Inc.
9: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
5: That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. A very, very honest person. Well done, Marie. And hopefully
2: we'll get that person reunited with that money. Now, somebody else who's looking for a bit of help in getting reunited with an item is Leanne, who joins me. Good afternoon to you, Leanne. Hi, Patricia. How's it going? I'm I'm doing well, and b- bless your heart. You you lost a, a bracelet that means a lot to you. Just tell us first of all where you described the bracelet to us. I did.
10: Well, it was a it was a locket actually, Patricia, and um, I lost it down. Well, the last time I saw it, we'll say, was in Bantry last Monday. Last Monday night, we'll say maybe Tuesday morning. So we were down in Bantry in the maritime for our ten year wedding anniversary. And um, we had a lovely meal there and went off on that lovely coastal walk around Bantry and had a gorgeous time. And then did sheet bed the following day, um, but I didn't wear it on the on the sheet bed at all, you know, with the SPF and all that. So the last I saw was Monday, kind of Monday night, maybe Tuesday morning. And I have searched high up and low down. I mean, the house has never been cleaner, the washing machine filter and everything. You name it, I've done everything now at this stage. And I'm just really hoping that maybe somebody came across it in Bantry. Perhaps maybe Kilcrohan. We went for a swim there. Um, now it wasn't on me, but sure. We had the whole boot contents out on the, on the pier just getting changed and that may be there. Um, we went for a meal in Doris. We've contacted the, the pub there as well. Um, we've called Garda station in Bantry. We've, I think we've done, we've done as much as we can nearly do, I think, at this stage. Okay. Describe so. it. Describe, describe it to me. I will, yeah, so it's a it's a lovely gold chain, a kind of a square linked kind of chain, and then it's a little heart shaped locket. It um it has the initials E T on it. It's my mother's. Um she got it for her twenty first, which would have been in the mid sixties. She gave it to me for my twenty first, um, which is neither today nor yesterday either. And my little girl has been promised it for her twenty first. Um, although I'm, I'm putting that out to thirtieth and fortieth now at this stage, sometimes because I love it so much. But, I know, I know. You know and, and it's a
2: yeah. it gold. I, I have a photograph on front of me. It's a gold. Yeah, a, a it's gold.
10: gold. The photo isn't amazing because, like, I'm not really into the selfie, so I don't have <laughs> photos of it. Yeah, but it's but just gold. it's a
2: little heart shape. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a, a locket.
10: A little heart locket. Um, there's two p- pictures inside of my two kids, and the kind of the heart. The, the back and front of the locket aren't welded together or anything like that. They're just on a little link. Yeah. Um, so look, I'm you know I'm just hoping against hope and now. And okay, that you you
2: re- you remember wearing it out? You definitely flat. had it on you on the Monday oh, on the Monday night. Do you oh, do you remember taking today. it off? You know, I can't fully remember Do You know, like like I definitely remember
10: wearing it out on the walk around Bantry, um, because I have a picture of me wearing it. So just that okay. lovely barber there. Um, but as regards, you know, I can't fully say I took it off, you know, because yeah. I've well, been wearing it for so many years. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: So, so the danger is that somewhere in all of those places that you mentioned as you were walking along, the chain somehow broke and fell it off could, yeah and, and I'd
10: be very surprised that it's a really sturdy little chain even though it's you know it's 50 years old it's really well made really sturdy and um, so I would be really surprised I could it, it could have you know it could have fallen into the bin in the hotel you
2: know I know it, it I know fall, I know fall. I know it and you obviously you, you contacted the hotel and they didn't find oh, it in the room they yeah they, were
10: brilliant. they rang around and they yeah. rang it fast and everything they were fantastic and um, And they're still checking, you know, they said they keep checking, but...
2: Yeah, but no. they clean those rooms so well because oh. I, I know a number of years yep. ago a similar thing happened to me. I left a chain behind me on a oh. bedside locker in a hotel, and I rang the hotel, and they it had fallen when it it had oh. fallen off and it had gone under the locker, and yeah. it, they found it. They they they, found, they they did find it for me, oh, uh, but they it. but they do such cleaning that they you know oh. it would have been it would oh. have been found. It oh. would have been, and with COVID now and everything, yeah, it mean, yeah. was immaculate. And it
10: was,
2: it was just amazing. last, it was
10: last week. It was last Monday and I, yeah, it was last Monday and I, I know I, so I went out on Wednesday with the kids after they finished school and I know I didn't have it on me then and I thought, right, I must do a route for that now because it's going to be in one of the two places I leave it. And then for a family event on Saturday, couldn't put my hand in it, but we were up the, you know, we were up at the family event or whatever. And then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, hunting and just No luck. No luck. And
2: it's, it's it's, it's, goodness me, the sentimental value behind this. It really is. Like I said
10: to my husband, Brendan, I said, look, I said, I know we're married 10 years. I said, but even my wedding ring and engagement ring don't have the same meaning to me because I haven't worn them in 18 months anyway with the virus and hand washing and all that. But they can be, they could be replaced. But this is irreplaceable to me. It's absolutely priceless to me. Um, you know, so, and I've been, all my daughter's been looking at it. She's seven now coming up, and she's looking at that now mm-hmm. since she was about two. Mm-hmm. And I've pictured them in it, and she's, tell me the story of that day. Tell me the story of the day I was born. All the rest, every other night, giving her a tuck-in. So, look, you know, I'm really hoping somebody out there has... Like, even if they've seen it linked somewhere on that walk in Bantry and they think, oh, that's only, you know, a bit of cigarette paper or whatever, Go you know. Go back and
2: look. Go back. Go back and, and look. Have a look.
10: And even, even, if the, even if
2: the chain is gone, the chain can be replaced. Look, but it's yeah, the locket. It's, yeah.
10: it's the locket. It is the locket. Um, it is the lock primarily. Now, I do love the chain, but it is the locket. I mean, it was my mother's 21st birthday present at a time in the 60s when, like, people just did not have money, you know, and a gold cool locket for somebody's birthday. Um uh, you know, and her father had, had not long died and uh, you know, it would have been a huge expense on on her own mother, my granny. And I know that and she minds it for me and I've been minding it for like well over twenty years as well. So, you know, I'm really hoping that somebody sees it and, you know, thinks, you know, it's not rubbish or whatever. A glint in the you know, a glint of the sun somewhere and to go back and have a look. And have a look. And people are,
2: someone is, is saying, could it have fallen off you in the car? Could it be stuck in clothes? Okay, could it have okay. been stuck in the bag? But you've you done all that. All yeah.
10: Stop. I mean, the car has been gone through with a fine tooth comb. Every stitch of clothes, even if I haven't worn them for months, every bag I own, the washing mm. machine filter, know, you name I know, it. I know. I know.
2: Yeah. And listen, Leanne, is, is, is your mum still with us? Oh, she is. Yeah, she, she
10: is. is, okay. My granny isn't, no, but no. my mammy. And we rang her, I rang her earlier on because I I didn't have the courage to tell her, you know. I know. So, <laughs> I rang her and I said, mam, I've something to tell you. And she said, oh, she's what is it? And then I told her, she said, oh, I thought you were going to say there's something wrong with the kids. All this fair, you know, <laughs> I thought, also oh, I shouldn't have given her that fright, but I know. she said, look, she said, Look, i do say say prayers St. Anthony. She said, and and she said, look, hopefully, she said you could put on something in two years' time and put in the hand in the pocket, and there it is. Mm-hmm. I said, I really hope so.
2: Yeah, please, God, Anushya, I'm yes. I'm a great, I'm with your mother. I'm a great believer in St. Anthony. You have to promise yes. the money, so we'll promise the money. Oh, well, I don't the mind
10: that. I don't mind that at <laughs> all. If somebody, okay. you know, if
2: somebody did find it.
10: Please, I, God, you know, please, please God, be a yeah, it, be would,
2: be it would be great. It would be great to, to get, get it back. back. It would be great to get right it back. Forward. Okay, All right, right. well, you've, you've put out a great plea and you've put out a great description and you've given us all of the details. Fingers crossed and we'll stay in contact with you, Leanne. And thanks a million for contacting us look you so yourself. much for having me on. Thanks Take so care. Much. Bye bye. Fun. Bye bye. So now over to the good people of uh, West Cork and Bantry, Kilcrahan, Sheepshead that general area. Can everybody out and about keep a lookout? It's not a bracelet it's a necklace. A gold locket on a gold uh, chain. It would be fantastic if we could find this and get it back to Leanne. I mean the fact that it was her mother got it for her 21st and she's holding on to it in the hope that she'd be able to pass it on to her her daughter, and what a lovely heirloom to pass on from generation on to a generation. And it is gut wrenching when you lose something like that that is of just so much significance uh, to somebody. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp oh eight six two. 103-103.
1: Court today on C one o three
0: with Sean Cusack Insurance's kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie.
1: This is the court today replay on C one o three.
0: We're
2: looking at the weather because after a glorious week of sunshine and high temperatures last week, the rain has arrived this week with a feeling that normal summer service has resumed in this country. So to fill us in on what we can expect for the rest of this week and across the rest of this month, I'm joined from Carlo Weather by Alan O'Reilly. Good afternoon to you, Alan.
11: Good afternoon, Patricia.
2: You're, You're very welcome. Did the gardeners and the farmers, did they welcome the bit of rain this week, do you think?
11: Oh, they did. And I think they were up with their buckets trying to collect it because they're looking for a bit more. It's been so dry in many parts. But uh certainly the gardeners will uh, will see the growth coming back because the the areas that were kind of grass was a big concern. Um, so the rain was badly needed for that. But unfortunately, a lot of the showers are hit and miss as well. So some areas got some heavy rainfall totals and some areas saw not so much. So there was a bit of a, a mixed bag cont- depending on where, where you were and when the showers hit really.
2: Yeah, I was watching the news last night on Virgin Media and the poor g- reporter who was doing a report from, I think he was outside Leinster House, uh, he had an umbrella and it was bucketing down on top of him and we we certainly didn't have that kind of rain here in Cork yesterday.
11: Yeah, there was some very heavy thundery showers, there was even some lightning detected near Dublin, so uh, it was, and, and that's the problem with those thundry, like downpours, they're very localised and You know, I was getting pictures from um, the old head of Sale the other day, and it was absolutely glorious. And then I had a friend of mine in Donegal send me videos of torrential downpours. So it's funny, for a small little island, it really can vary a lot from one area to another when we have these showery set-ups where... We want the high pressure to come and give us all the kind of uh, a dry spell.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and indeed across our beautiful, I mean, I know we have the largest county in Ireland, but even within, across the city and county, you can get extremes where the sun is splitting the rocks and where it's raining then on the other part of the county. So, what's the remainder of this week looking like for us?
11: Yeah, so it's continuing to be a bit of a mixed bag, really. There's a few little showers around there today, but there's also some sunny spells, so it's still a little bit hit hit and miss today tomorrow will be a cloudy day but it should hold mainly dry it'll be a bit dull um, but it, it will it will hold mainly dry for most places so if you're trying to do something outdoors at least tomorrow should hold dry Friday will be a bit of a wet start unfortunately some rain Friday morning it will slowly improve through the day and it'll even brighten up a little bit on Friday afternoon so the second half of Friday will be better Saturday a bit of a mixed bag with showers again probably not as not too many but a few showers and then unfortunately sunday looks like another one of those torrential downpours um with heavy showers again a risk so very hard to make plans for the weekend but saturday does look the better day with some heavy showers on sunday the good news patricia is is that it looks like high pressure is going to try and build up over ireland towards probably after monday so monday might still be a little bit showery but from tuesday onwards next week there is tentative signs that we could see some warmer and more settled weather coming in. It's not a done deal, and the uh, tropical storm Elsa, which was a hurricane, is going to have a little bit of an impact on that. Now, Elsa is not coming towards us, so we don't have to worry about that. But the, where it ends up in the Atlantic is kind of—it's it's hard for the weather models to figure out exactly the impact of that on the high pressure. It could—it could delay the high pressure. It could kind of keep it just a little bit south of us. But I would be hopeful that if you are heading on holidays next week, it might be a better week than what we've had.
2: And do you think it might last for the week, Alan? It could, yeah. If
11: if, if that high pressure can build in, it could last a week. Um, Obviously, it's a bit far out yet, but if we do get that Azores high coming up, we can see it. Now, it doesn't promise clear blue skies and 27 degrees or anything like that, but it it would bring a settled weather and it could bring us some nice sunny days at times and bring the temperatures back up because the temperatures will struggle a little bit over the weekend, you know, it won't be that warm. Now obviously when the sunny spells come out, the sun this time of year is quite strong. It can feel, but it can be kind of jumper on, jumper off. So if we could get some more settled weather next week, we'd be I think we'd be all happy to see that.
2: And then do you do you go further than that then? Can you tell us what the rest of the summer is going to look like her? Oh so I wish
11: I wish yeah. I have a weekend bantry booked uh, in august and i'm I'm hedging my bets with all I can do <laughs> but um yeah it's it, it's really hard to know if that high pressure comes up, it can stay you know we can see kind of that kind of influence towards the end of the month, and to be fair, the weather models have been fairly consistently shown things improving from the middle of the month and hopefully maybe improving um you know toward until the end of the month, but unfortunately, it is just too hard to say so it's one of those things I was saying on Twitter last night when you're trying to pick a week holiday in Ireland. It's a bit like spinning the wheel, really, you know.
2: Yeah, and, and, you know, you really feel for hospitality who, you know, we're all being told it's an outdoor summer this year. I mean, I saw a picture on the front page of the Irish Times today of a waitress carrying food out to somebody. Again, it was, it was in Dublin and they had to have another member of staff walking out with her with an umbrella over her and the food. And you're just thinking, how, how can out, how can hospitality sector plan when you get days like that
11: yeah i saw the photo and unfortunately i was tagged in a lot of videos at the weekend where there was just torrential downpours. i mean i think a little bit of rain most people would put up with but when it comes down so heavy you know even the umbrellas can't can't handle that kind of rainfall and it does it it's very it's very difficult to try and plan and as i say even for the weekend now it's you know it's very hard and a lot of people are Trying to do camping, I've got a lot of messages from people looking to do camping and kind of you know do outdoor things. And unfortunately, it is—it's just that that kind of weather in Ireland, when especially when it's showery, it, it's so hard to plan. So hopefully, if the high pressure does come up, it'll take the pressure off and maybe make it a little bit easier for people to make plans and and, and help the outdoor dining facilities because we we don't really get a lot of um, opportunities in Ireland to kind of enjoy fine weather. So if we could get a week or two of it. Before maybe things begin to relax again, it will be will be very welcome.
2: Because last week really was glorious, and it lasted across the week, which was the real bonus. It did, yeah. It
11: was really only the northwest that had the cloud; everywhere else was really nice, and it's it's great to be able to just get up in the morning and just know that you can put on the shorts and the t shirt and head out, and you don't have to worry about the umbrellas and maybe the jackets and that. And and look, we can get that kind of weather, and very often, you know, July, August, and even early September we can see that kind of weather building. So we, we, we have a bit to go, yes. I mean, you know, we still have another whole month and a half of summer in terms yeah. of meteorological summer. So, you know, let's, let's keep the faith and let's hope That's that we will really not
2: see some That's there. it. And listen, you enjoy yourself when you come uh, to visit us in beautiful Bantry. It's a great spot that you have picked for your holidays. So enjoy that, Alan. And uh, it's a pleasure as always to have you on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks for that. Bye-bye. That is uh, the lovely Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather. 1850 333 Let's hope he's right and we do get those sunny spells uh, next week. Now a couple of texts in. Dan says, Patricia, the person that needs to travel on the 19th of July and is worried that they won't have their digital COVID cert in time. Uh, Dan says, could that person not use the card that they got when they got vaccinated? It contains all of your details and it if it's a double jab it'll give the two dates of when you had your first and your second Um, Dan said I've actually had mine laminated and that should do yeah, I actually I did the same thing, I laminated I've I, I had three at home and I laminated all three of them as well and it is a handy thing to have it laminated so as to make sure that it doesn't, you don't lose it or if, and then when you laminate it put it away as well so that you don't lose it but by laminating it that it won't get damaged if you are going to be bringing it out with you. I don't think that the, those, that while it, you're right Dan, it does have all of the information on it uh, but when you're travelling, because you're travelling through airports you're going to need this QR code because whatever about when you're say leaving Cork, Dublin, Shannon airport and you showed it to somebody there and they would know yeah that's one of our COVID certificates and yes you got vaccinated but then when you get off the plane and you're arriving on the other side and you need to go through passport control and the checks in other countries the QR code is going to be needed similar to the way we do the boarding passes, you know, the way you scan it. So I don't know if turning up at the airport with your up-to-date card showing that you got vaccinated, I don't even know, Dan, if you'd be allowed onto a plane. Uh, we've been told that the only way to travel safely is going to be with the digital COVID uh, certificate. But yes, you certainly think we may be able to use this if you're going into a restaurant to prove that you've been vaccinated. But I know before somebody says, but you hang on a tick, anyone with a half decent colour printer could be churning those cards out and you could end up with lots of uh, fake ones. That is always uh, the danger. Thanks for your text, Dan. And John in Blackpool says, hi, Patricia. A friend of mine got her second Pfizer vaccine on Monday the 5th of July, which is Monday, just gone. Could you tell me when will she be safe? When will she be deemed fully, vac- fully vaccinated? If it is a Pfizer jab, John, you have to wait seven days from her vaccine. So if she got her vaccine on Monday, she will be deemed fully vaccinated next Monday. For AstraZeneca it is two weeks after your second jab you're deemed fully vaccinated For Moderna it's also two weeks after your second jab and of course the people who got the Johnson & Johnson the one shot dose they get one injection and then two weeks after their one shot they are deemed fully vaccinated but for somebody with Pfizer it's seven days so she got it last Monday she'll be deemed fully vaccinated next uh, Monday and this is Colette who is a, it's a happy woman I take it that she was listening to the programme uh, today because she heard us at the start of the programme this morning talking about insurance and insurance costs and all of that and she had just received her premium in from her car insurance uh, company telling her that her car insurance that she'd paid 501 euro last year and they're saying we're giving it to you cheaper this year we're giving it to you for 480 euro but didn 't Ar Go looting around and she found her own po- her old policy and found how much she had paid for it last year and she'd actually only paid four hundred and thirty eight euro and she says, hang on a tick now you 're really trying to scam me on this one so she said she was fuming and she got back onto them and pointed out that they had given her the, the misinformation now seemingly have it's been what, what they say is wrong was that the original letter she got was inflated because she, her husband had a policy with them, and that was the reason that the premium uh, came down but anyway she got on to them and they came back and they have lowered her premium and can I say Colette the very same thing happened to me early on in the year year, and it was one thing that really annoyed me about the company I was with I got a letter from them and they said you paid so much last year but I had a very detailed record of what I'd paid last year on both my husband's insurance and my insurance on both and we were both with the same company both of them came back and stated that I'd paid x amount on each of them and I hadn't I'd actually paid less and then they were trying to say oh well your premium is less this year because it was down a 10 or, or something and I, on both my husband and my insurance policy I rang around and I ended up say saving 300 on both of them so 600 euro was saved in our house. Yes, it does pay to shop around and make those calls. That's where I've got to leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. And we're back with you tomorrow at 10 and then. I'm Patricia Mestner. Very good afternoon and stay safe.
1: Court today on C103
0: with John Cusack Insurance's Sale. now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie